I'm Amy Pruitt. I'm Lisa Dumas. I teach Ayurveda and yoga. I teach yoga. I'm a yoga therapist in training, and I offer transformational coaching. But that's just part of the story. We're moms, daughters, wives, and friends. We're always learning, and we've both experienced healing by what we teach. And the intention of this podcast is to offer you our favorite tools from the traditions and sciences that support us as we navigate the realities and stressors of modern life. Each week, we'll share stories, answer your questions, and talk to others who inspire us. Welcome to the Radiant Warrior Podcast. Yoga and Ayurveda to reclaim a courageous heart. Amy, hello. Good to talk to you. Yes, I'm so excited to talk to you. So guess what? What? This is episode number 30. What? I'm so proud of us. We don't have an intro where we're numbering the episodes. And so I was just looking to see what to call this one when um, I was getting our platform all set up. And I noticed that we have now done 30 of these conversations. So it's it's hard to believe. Time flies. That's awesome. And we want to absolutely thank everybody who has been listening and downloading and subscribing and reviewing um, thank you to our recent reviewer, Susan, who reviewed our podcast on the on the podcast page in the Apple Store. Um, you, you offered us some beautiful words, and we're completely humbled by them. We are so grateful for them. And, you know, giving us a review is actually one of the biggest gifts you could ever give podcasters because they mean a lot. They help other people to find this show. So if you at all feel that this show is helpful or inspiring or you enjoy it, it would mean a great deal to us to offer us a review as well. Yes, we really appreciate it. So Amy, where and how do I find you today? How are you body, mind, and heart? Body, I am at the end of a long day. I've had quite a full day. And I don't want to say busy because I think we say that too much Mm -hmm. or I know I say that too much, but I've had a full fulfilling day. So I've had a great day with the studio and with my family and time wise, it was very full. There wasn't any downtime today, but I don't want to say busy because it was inspiring and an energizing day. And that goes into my mind and my heart too. I did a lot of the things that I love today and saw a lot of the people that I love. And so that really helped my mind and my heart as well. How about you? Where do I find you, body, mind, and heart? Well, listening to you talk about your full day, it's interesting because I think a lot of us internalize. And for me, I know when I was growing up, I internalized that we work so that we can play. You know, we we work, we want to be able to punch out so that we can just relax and enjoy life. However, I feel a little bit of a, a flip in that in my life and, and, a, and a lot of, uh, I feel a little bit of a flip in that in my life in that my work feels so fulfilling and so enjoyable and it's not the kind of job that I leave and it's over and I don't have to think about it until the next time. Classes are ongoing. Clients are ongoing. You know, you and I are entrepreneurs. We have our own business and there's always work to be done to 
move the needle on our business. So I think one of the things I've been working on in my mind when it comes to feeling like I have these busy days with not a lot of downtime is that flip of feeling like I need to be done, you know? I mean, I think it's important. We talk about this work-life balance. It's important to make sure that I'm taking time for others and for myself. And I try to when I can. But when there are days where there are just a lot going on, it doesn't help if we have the resistance of, oh, and I haven't even had a chance to relax today. Because truth be told, I do feel fairly fulfilled for everything that went down today. I taught a class and then I had a session with one of my clients, a case study for the yoga therapy course that I'm making my way through, which always takes up little time when I have it. And I'm preparing to teach something really exciting tomorrow. Um, the studio that I teach at here in Vancouver is, al is also a yoga college. And I think we have almost 30 yoga teacher trainees in the program right now. And they've invited me in to talk about anxiety in the yoga room, both in our students and in ourselves. Mm, I love that. I do too. You know, you and I are both yoga teachers and a lot of our listeners are interested in yoga. But even if you're not, you've probably heard people say that yoga is beneficial for anxiety. And that's true. And because that's out there in the culture and a lot of health professionals are sending people to yoga because of anxiety, it's important for teachers to understand the concept, especially if it's something that they have never struggled with. And it's important to understand that there's lots of things that happen in a yoga room that would actually incite anxiety. So if we have any listeners who've been told yoga is good for anxiety, while that is very true, you know, you also might encounter things in the yoga room, you know, strange chants and strange smells and feeling sort of confined in a space and being in a group of people without feeling like you have an easy exit and maybe pleasing the teacher and hearing a different language and um, breath techniques that sometimes are not helpful for anxiety. You know, that is all kind of part of the yoga world, too. So it's just it's learning for all sides. And I'm I'm so happy to be a part of that conversation. I, I'm just so incredibly honored to be sharing what I know from my experience recovering from disordered anxiety and the continued learning that I'm doing in this course, which is so incredible. It helps us to see anxiety not just from the Western model, which is, you know, a nervous nervous system, but also through the doshas, as we talk about often here. And through the koshas. And there are just so many tools to manage an anxious mind. That's what I teach. That's what you and I teach when we work together. Um, yeah, our listeners can for sure go to our websites, Lisa Dumas Yoga and amypruitt.com to hear how yoga and Ayurveda can soothe anxiety. So my mind is feeling very creative with lots of work. And my heart... Uh, there's been some contrast in my days lately. Um, there's been a few little upheavals in relationship. And so I think I've been in the yoga of relationship, you know, mm -hmm. where it's very clear that relationships do a good job of showing us exactly the work that we still need to do. And relationships show us the shadow parts of ourselves. And 
I'm not talking about a relationship where there is obvious physical or mental abuse. I'm talking about our day-to-day relationships with our loved ones, our friendships and our partners and our children. And when we feel irritation or frustration or even shame in response to one of their actions or their words, very often it doesn't have anything to do with what they said or what they did very often is what we're making it mean based on our own specific lens of life. And I was very aware that that is what was going on in a recent interaction with a friend, but it didn't make it feel any better. (laughs) I bet. Because, you know, we're not supposed to feel good all the time, first of all. And yeah, I wanted to share something with you because I thought it might be helpful because I think all of us experience situations like this on the regular, how I ended up moving through it might serve. So I'm not going to share the perspective of the other person as much as I totally can because I love this friend of mine and we have completely processed this together and we've learned from it, which is the opportunity in relationships too. You know, if if we can and it's not easy and it's a work in progress for me, But if we can approach those tricky conflicts that arise with clear communication and being able to own what's ours, then we can learn what we need to look at and what we need to reclaim in ourselves and what parts of us we need to forgive. So just the quick summation of what went down is that I had to shift some plans due to something that came up with my kid. The reaction was that I let somebody down, that this is how it was received. And I completely understand that. And just as I've explained, we all see situations from our own lens. And so I understand the perspective that that's coming from. And that hit me hard, harder than I care to admit Even once we had processed and and sort of closed it, I noticed that the part of it that was lingering for me was this really terrible feeling of having let somebody down. It, the adult part of me knew that that wasn't mine and I had only done the best that I could and I had only made the choice that I, and I had made the only choice that I could. The adult part of me knew that, but the childish codependent part, meaning the part that is only okay if other people are okay with you, (laughs) that part, she was triggered. And I I really wanted to learn from it because it kind of stole a day and I don't have that kind of time. But I didn't want to sweep it under the rug. I didn't want to dissociate from it because I knew it was an opportunity. I knew that something needs to be reclaimed. Something needs to be loved within. And so I spent a good day and a half when I had the chance, you know, processing that. So first, you know, the the codependent part. I think that this comes up for all of us. I think that many of us have the experience when we were kids of having to make sure that the guardians or the parents in the house or one of them or somebody 
that was close to us, we had to make sure that they were regulated, right? And we learned really young what we needed to do in order to feel safe emotionally. When I was growing up, I I can totally relate to what you just said about about having your parents, you know, be regulated as long as they weren't mad or angry or yelling, then that was the goal. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily that they were happy, but maybe just that I wasn't in trouble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why anger is in the shadows for so many of us. And and for sure me, we have this complicated relationship with anger because it's been so scary for us. And so we learn to be afraid of anger rather than realize that, you know, people are allowed to be angry with us and we don't have to take it on. That is so much easier said than done, but that comes to boundaries. You know, we we are able to set that boundary of self-worth so we can understand that other people's emotions are theirs. We do not have the power to make someone angry. If someone is angry based on something that we have said or done, specifically unintentionally, then that is showing them something that has been triggered in them. But codependence is when we need that person to be pleased with us in order to be pleased with ourselves. So that part of me was alive and well, and I could see myself really resisting the fact that somebody was angry with me and wanting very much to change that. And you and I learned a term. I think it was having a manual for somebody, you know, wanting somebody to see us in a certain light. We've talked about that particular pain here before. It's really painful when somebody is seeing you through an angry lens and you really don't want them to. We don't want people to be mad at us. No, who does? Uh So that was part of it. But I felt like it went deeper than that. Because even after a conversation, you know, a really wonderful adult conversation um, that I was proud of. The lingering part was, I think, the fear of being seen as undependable. And that's when I realized a new shadow quality that I hadn't realized I had before. And that is being seen as undependable. And that's exactly how you stalk your shadows, to quote Sienna Sherman. She has she has a technique that she calls shadow stalking. It's you ask yourself, what what would I not want somebody to think of me? What would I never want to be called? And the answers are usually the pieces of you that you learn to tuck away because you learned at some point when you were really young, you internalized it from your family of origin or the world at large, that that was not acceptable and that that was not good. In fact, that was bad. And if we are that thing, it's not like it's just behavior. It's like we are bad or something. So it was powerful to uncover another shadow. And so when we uncover a shadow, when we have the awareness, what do we do then? The awareness begins to light up the shadow, but then there's some deeper work. And I was really lucky that my husband helped me to process this. Because once we realized that I just didn't want to be seen as undependable, and 
then my computer brain was counting all the ways I think that that's true. Always find the evidence, right? And that's so true in ourselves and each other. If we make a decision about ourselves or somebody else, we can always find that evidence or we could find the evidence for the opposite. And that's yoga therapy. You know, that's that's a, a model for helping out the mind. That's a model for helping the mind to see clearly, which is cultivating the opposite of negative self-talk. And that's what my husband helped me with, which is, listen, how about these ways in which you're incredibly dependable to your family and to your friends? And he said, you know, what would you say to your friends or your clients? You would say that it's time to forgive yourself for those times that you saw yourself as undependable because not that you can give me excuses, but right now you can give me good reasons for why you had to shift a plan. And that's pretty much always true. There's for sure times where we can apologize to others because we have been hurtful and there are plenty in my past, believe me. But I also hold myself hostage for a lot of things where, yeah, there there were reasons. And at the moment, with the motivations around me and the tools that I had, I honestly did the best that I could. And in this recent situation, I did do the best that I could. And even as I say that to you now, there is a softening. And I can begin to do the work of forgiving myself for the times that I've been undependable. And then more than that, accept that I will be again. Because the thing about shadows is that we all have them. We all have all qualities. We all have the potential to act in all ways. And just as I can be undependable, I can be dependable. I'm not one without the other. I'm, I'm not just one way of being. And more important than other people accepting me is for me to be able to accept myself. And then I won't lose a day sort of spiraling down this rabbit hole of questioning myself. Can you speak more about um, Sienna Sherman's shadow stalking? I had not heard that before. That's about all that I know because it was just mentioned by Ashley Turner in one of our modules. Ashley Turner does something wonderful. And in fact, I think that we do it too, is she's often referring to and chanting the names of her many teachers when she is quoting them or when she is teaching something that she got from them. And I just remember that terminology coming from Siana. I know that many different yoga teachers, uh, yoga therapists teach this idea of shadow yoga And you and I have gone through different workshops and courses where we've done that work as well. And the big part is just to stalk the places within you that you've put into exile. The shadow is the part of ourselves that we have walked away from, that we have deemed bad, that we have rejected. And oftentimes, it's the part of us that other people can see clearly. So it's a real blind spot for us because we can't handle looking at it. And sometimes when our shadow arises, we feel such intense guilt or shame that it makes us hide. It makes us avoid. It's probably a big reason that people ghost one another is Mm -hmm. something about that relationship has triggered something so uncomfortable that that person embodies the discomfort. 
and it's just easier to ghost and to hide than it is to face that person and speak about it because this stuff isn't easy to speak about. And that's why relationships are so hard because we may never fully, because we will never fully understand the psyche of another person. And that's why the work is self-acceptance because as long as we've got our own back, you know, then we can feel more powerful in the relationship. Do you have an example of a time in a relationship, either with Jeff or a friend, where something kind of got under your skin, something that was said, and there was kind of a realization as to why that hurt so much? And when we do the work to uncover our shadow, sometimes we come up with more material from our past that we can heal. And there was another aha moment at the end of all of this. So, I mean, look at what the gift that that conversation ended up being, that that interaction ended up being, you know, something so uncomfortable for me. I don't want to speak for my friend, but I, I you know, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't all rainbows and roses for her either. But for me, I can say it ended up being such a gift. She gave me such a gift because I wound up having this memory of being told as a child that I never stuck with anything. Mm. And it wasn't said in a way that was forgiving. It was said in a way that that was a character flaw. I was told that I was a certain way. My perspective of myself of those years, and I'm having my own aha moment because, you know, my daughter is the same age as I was, I think, when that was said to me. My experience of myself was that, yes, I did change jobs from time to time, and I was following my bliss. I was learning about who I was. I would take a job, you know, and this is just during high school, you know, after school jobs to make a little extra money, and it wouldn't be me. And I didn't complain about it and just quit and never go back. I would actively go out and seek a job that I felt was more fitting and would lead me to more happiness and fulfilling and fulfillment. And then I would quit that job and I would move on to another job. So that was my perspective of myself. So I remember how jarring it was to be told I was a certain way by someone whose approval I sought more than anybody else's, you know? What comes to mind is something that is very similar to yours. It was with a friend. We were working together. We were creating a a business. But first we were friends. And I had watched this person have conflict with those around her, whether it was family or other friends. And the conflict had never come my direction. It was my turn, I guess. And I was trying to work on a project and I could feel her anger towards me begin to rise over a course of a couple of days. And I kind of let it go or I kind of pushed it aside. I wasn't interested in engaging with it, kind of hiding from it almost. And then it just exploded on me. And I was told that I was unreliable and that I didn't have any follow through. And it just cut me to the core because I embodied what this person was saying to me as truth that I was unreliable and that I had no follow through. And it hurt so bad 
And it took me days to really begin to come out of that, that shame spiral, like you described and to have my husband and my family and my friends kind of say, let's, let's revisit this or let's rethink this. And this person is looking for evidence to validate that you are unreliable and that you have no follow through. And yet, could you find evidence that you are reliable and that you do have follow through to help maybe ease some of the suffering that you're putting yourself through by taking this person's words to heart? And I don't know if that that idea of being unreliable is is a common shame spiral for most people. I would imagine it is. But that was also something that was very triggering for me, um, very hurtful and and really made me question, am I unreliable? Am I, am I unreliable in this situation? Or yes, I've had periods in my life where I've been unreliable and do I still carry shame for those? And so that uh, that's a very similar episode that I can think of that that kind of ties into what you're saying. It really cut me to the core. It's so interesting how listening to you speak about a very similar story and hearing how unreliability is obviously in your shadow too. My immediate reaction is so much compassion because I know you and I know because you've shared here that you've been in survival mode a lot and that your quote unquote unreliability has nothing to do with other people. You are so ensconced in what is happening right in front of you. There is nothing else that exists. And I that just speaks to the lens that we all see life through. I think everybody can relate with not getting a text back from somebody. And even though we might talk ourselves out of it, we might have a thought of like, did I do anything? Is that person mad at me? Like we, we, that there is that negativity bias and this hardwire need to please other people. And that is hardwired. Like that's not our fault. We can totally learn to cultivate the opposite, but pleasing people in our tribe was once for our survival. So that's in us and we can do the work to overcome that, especially if we feel like it's negatively affecting our lives. But do you can you point to a time where unreliability was pointed out to you as being bad and if you were that you were bad? Oh, absolutely. When I was growing up, I would say from the time that I started to venture out of the house on my own, whether that's, you know, in grade school or a young teenager, that seemed to be a consistent theme, whether I was running late or I didn't get chores done or I didn't live up to expectations. It seemed to be, I remember feeling like there was something wrong with me. Like I was wrong or there was something bad about me. And a lot of it had to do with whether I was following through on the expectations that had been set, you know, by my family. I think it's one of the trickiest parts of being a parent too, because I'm sensitive to this. That comes up a lot in our household. Sometimes we need our children to help out and to learn to take care of their things and keep track of their things and 
respect um, shared spaces and respect their property. And depending on the personality of the child, you know, that that may not come easily and it can cause frustration. I have always found that challenging because how much of an issue do you make of it? Because I don't want to create the same wounds that I have carried that, you know, she's bad if she can't take care of this or follow through with her promises about taking care of the dog, you know, all these things. I don't want her to internalize that she's bad. On the other hand, there are just, we're two busy adults and we need some help, some help. She's almost an adult. She's a citizen of this home. You know, I find that to be a tricky place. And what's working for me, I think, if anything is working for me, is to make sure to stay in conversation, something that wouldn't have been said to me. And, you know, through no fault of anybody's, there's so much more information now. But, you know, I love you so much this action right here, you know, this is, this is causing a little bit of, of frustration in the moment. And, and, and here's why, and, you know, can we have your help on this? But I do try to always separate how much I love her and the being that she is and that she's so much more than, you know, her actions. So who knows if that's getting through, but I hope so. Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure you being mindful and pausing before you have tricky conversations is immensely helpful. Yeah, I hope so. I do think about her actually. It gives me courage when I might prefer not to have a conversation that's going to feel intensely uncomfortable. But even if she's not in the vicinity or isn't aware of it on some level, I feel like there's some healing happening for her if I'm healing the fear of somebody else's anger. All of this, all of these learnings and lessons from the yoga tradition as well. For me, they serve to create so much compassion in me for others because not only do we learn the differing psychologies that we all have and that we're all thinking based on what we have specifically learned and what we had to do in order to stay safe in our family of origins, in order to feel safe emotionally. And those are things that are played out again and again and again in all our different kinds of relationships. And it does make me feel very compassionate to people, even if I might be in conflict with them, because I can recognize, even though it doesn't feel good, what's mine and what's theirs a lot more. And it's come through years of work, especially on this idea of boundaries. And we've talked about this before, that I feel the most important boundary to have is a boundary of self-worth. So reminding ourselves that we are worthy enough to claim and own our own thoughts and our own emotions and that it does not serve us to take on others. And it's very natural to want other people to like us. That is hardwired in. We spend a lot of time worrying about that and walking away from ourselves and changing ourselves so that we might be pleasing to others. And that is our younger, more codependent part of ourselves coming to the surface. And that's really natural. But it's a nice practice when we notice that we are storytelling 
about what somebody else might be thinking of us that there's no way we can know. And when we are having those thoughts, to imagine that we are setting ourselves back in like a fiery boundary where we're only worrying about what we are thinking. And because it can happen that we're projecting all of the things that we don't really like about ourselves, we can be doing that to others as well. I mean, there's so many psychodynamics that are going on in relationships. It's not easy. And that's why I just have so much compassion for all of us. Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing we can have, right? We can't control how others are going to view us. We can only be doing the best that we can for ourselves and for the moment and and to do our best and then have compassion for where we are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that part of what was up for me, too, is the other layer that just makes me me and the one area of my life where I feel probably the most insecure about and probably have the most kind of wavy, flexible boundaries is my female friendships because of my my sisterhood wound and my wounding there. You know, I feel like my boundaries are a lot healthier in other areas of my life and and as a teacher and in my marriage and in my family than they are in my female friendships. I feel unsure of myself there and questioning of myself if I am doing the right thing. And even sometimes if I have a, a right to have negative emotions towards other women, because I feel like there's so much going on that isn't really our fault, that we are all reacting based on old wounding. So there's still a lot of questions there for me and a lot for me to look at. So. I do think that my insecurity and just that entire realm played into that as well. And, you know, now I know that that's where there's still more work to be done. And that's okay. I don't know that what that would be like to not have work to still do. It is something to make time for, though. Now, that that came up too because I, I was noticing how uncomfortable I was, but I was also noticing all the ways that I could have numbed that. You know, we just started watching mm-hmm. a new show. We're finally watching Ray Donovan. I think I've been hearing about it for years. We started watching it. I love it. It's incredible. Leah Schreiber. Oh my gosh, the acting is amazing. So, I mean, it was easy for me to put it on the shelf for a few hours and I could have just continued to do that. But I know what would have happened because it's still happening now from situations that remain unprocessed in my past when, you know, you're just minding your business, driving to work, and all of a sudden you get this memory. And it's about something yucky that went down in a relationship and then you feel yucky all over again. And then you push it down again, right? And you listen to a podcast or you watch something or you look on your phone or you eat some ice cream. There's so many ways that we can dissociate from um, internal work. But those memories are coming up. Those emotions are coming up because they do want to be fully processed. And sometimes it might not be safe or appropriate for us to process them by ourselves. And that's why there are so many incredible professionals that we can seek out. Emotions are energy in motion, and they're not meant to be stuffed down. They do have to move through us at some point. 
Yes, they do. How did you finally move through how much suffering you were going through in your situation? You know, I had to look for evidence myself that contradicted the evidence that she was finding about what a horrible person I was. And and I really had to examine and do a lot of self-reflection of what was mine, where was my ownership in the situation, and what was hers. And I, I had to look at not just the situation that she was angry about, but the relationship and what was the dynamic there. And I really came to feel like I was reliable and I did have follow through. And at that point, this was hers and she was lashing out and it, and I didn't have to embody that and I didn't have to take it on as my own, but it took a while to get to that point of chalking up instances where I had been reliable and chalking up instances where I had followed through. And I couldn't get to that point right away. I had to really keep a scorecard almost to reassure myself and to nurse that sore spot in me that she had touched, that that was a shadow for me. And that was a painful identity to take on that she had had touched right to the core of a wound that I had. And that wound was still there. And it didn't make it true anymore, but it still hurt in the moment. And that's why not all of our teachers are our formal teachers that we study with at school or in the yoga room. Our, our biggest teachers are people that we've encountered that have brought up conflict within ourselves. I'm sure it'll come up within future conversations on this podcast. There have been some tentpole relationships in my life that have taught me so much and that I was able to take the learnings from that and really evolve into the next version of myself that wouldn't have happened mm-hmm. if people had not come into my life. So our all of our relationships, our teachers, it's an opportunity for learning. And what I'm learning here, listening to you too, is again, how much compassion I'm having listening to your story and how a friend of yours would do just what you did for yourself. A friend would say, look at all the ways you are reliable. Look at the ways that you have shown up for me. And you were eventually able to do that for yourself. And that is what we need to come to. For some people, that feels really hard, being able to cultivate a more inner, being able to cultivate a kinder inner dialogue. And sometimes it is helpful to think, okay, well, what would you say to a dear friend? What would you say to a beloved child? And um, Jodi Cron, who is a psychotherapist that we had on one of our most popular episodes, she told me that she also gets her clients to imagine, like, what would your pet say to you? (laughs) If if they couldn't get there with, (laughs) what would a friend say to you? So that's sweet. And I, my Mm. favorite too, is imagining a version of ourselves that's older and wiser and has gotten to that point of nothing to prove anymore, who's kind of moved beyond people pleasing, doesn't really give a shit anymore. And then 
you know, what would, what would she say to me? What is the advice she would say? Because we can only really access the thoughts we have access to. We have to find a way to shift our perspective so that we can have new thoughts. And then as you say, find evidence towards that. And that's why the practices of yoga and Ayurveda are also powerful because we can shift our feelings. We can shift our experience through practices like different breathing techniques and different meditations. And we can actually cultivate compassion and love. We, we, if we are all things, you know, if we are dependable and undependable, if we are lovable and unlovable, if we're all things wrapped up into one, it is very possible. And this is part of the goal of all of this stuff to actively cultivated the, the more helpful life-affirming quality. You know, we, we can absolutely do that with so many different practices and that's what we're here for, you and me. Yes. Okay. Well, thanks for the weekly uh, processing. I guess it was my turn this time. <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure. All right. Before we go, um, Amy and I are cooking something up that is actually very helpful for everything that we cover in all of our episodes we are um, going to be teaming up and offering something really exciting, building a community, trying to, intending to serve as best as we possibly can. And one way that you can find out first, because maybe you don't have a chance to listen to every pod as soon as it comes out every Friday, is to add your names to each of our email lists through our website. And Neither Amy or I are ever spamming you, and we're not emailing you super regular either, but we are letting you know when we have something really special going on or we have um, some practices that we really want to share with you, hey? So if you want to be in the know and you want to be the first to find out about the offerings that we have planned, if you want to head to my website, it's amypruitt.com, A-I-M-E-E. P-R-U-I-T-T.com. And for me, it's lisadumasyoga.com. And I also like to send um, blogs that I write and um, audio versions of meditations. And there's a video class on there as well. So love for you to join the community and can't wait to tell you what we've got brewing. We'll be able to announce that probably in the next couple of weeks. Love you. All right. Love you, Lisa. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Warrior podcast. If you found it valuable, please leave us a positive review to help others find it. And please check out the Radiant Warrior podcast on Instagram and Facebook to leave us your questions and find out where you can come and practice with us next.